Hello and welcome to the first Q&A of Untrue Crime. I am sick as fuck. And I'm Belle. We don't have content warnings for this episode. Good luck. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. Um, we don't have a last warning about content this time, so let's just get this started, shall we? Do- Oh, nope. I was too excited. Let's do this! So, we would like to start with saying thank you to everybody for your thoughts, theories, questions, and comments. We got a lot of them, so there's a lot to go through, and we really appreciate you guys coming through for us. Yes. Yes, we do. I don't have much to add there. We have sorted the submissions by episode, and we're going to go in chronological order. So, we are starting with Whystone Cabin. Would you like to read the very first submission of Untrue Crime? Wow. To what do I owe the honor? My sore throat. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I thought it was going to be more sentimental, like, you made the idea for this podcast, and then Okay, if the you editing. want, we can chalk it up to that. You know what? Yeah, I think my ego could use the boost, so I'm gonna say that it was all because I was perfect in every way. Yes, you can read it because you are the genius behind the creation of Untrue Crime. Thank you. Thank you. I would not have done it without you. It takes two. I pitched it to you. This is a little bit of Untrue Crime war, actually. I jokingly had brought it up where it was it was something that i had been thinking about for a while and then you thought that was just the best idea ever and we immediately began planning it yeah like same day same day and it took us three weeks to get everything set up which i feel like is pretty good record yeah it it was it was a really good record for us we we had this all we had this we had sorted episodes and then we didn't use them this is true we had all season (laughs) one completely laid out with very specific episodes and then as we went we were like you know what let's just write something else today seems like more fun to not do that all right submission one why stone cabin lily of the valley isn't deadly toxic okay Starting off strong, why did I read the first one? I'm sorry, that's my fault. I kind of had researched it thoroughly for about a day. I was not as thoroughly as I was made out to be. As in, I did like five Google searches. I, I went down a rabbit hole. But I, I'm not. Okay, I'm not we, a, we forgive you. It was, it was just a little, little slip up. Yeah, in our first episode. Ugh. <sighs> Lily of the Valley isn't deadly toxic. In small doses, they cause more allergic reactions than anything. Instead of dying of coming in contact with it head-on, they probably threw up enough to die of dehydration before they could return. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. I feel like that should qualify it for being deadly. I feel like I should not have been that far off if coming in contact with it makes you throw up so much that you could die of dehydration. Yeah, I'll give you that. Awesome. Thank you. No one else gets an opinion because they're not here. Unless you want to, of course, send in your comments, theories, questions, and suggestions to untruecrimethepodcast at gmail.com. All lowercase. For the season two Q&A. Correct me then. I also think that maybe it was their neighbors that were lying, and they were the ones that did something to them, which was why their house was locked and their stuff untouched. 
Ooh, I like that. We did not talk about the neighbors much, but they were mentioned. Yeah, we didn't write much about them either, but it is very possible that they could have been the murderers, if there were murderers. And it would make sense as well for all of their stuff to still be there if they just skedaddled over to their neighbor's house, you know? Yeah, I agree. But why, let's see, why would the neighbors kill them? Have you ever heard of those untrue crime junkies? Not untrue crime junkies. That's y'all. Uh, those true crime junkies that, like, kill for the thrill? Um, no, but now I think we should totally write an episode about that. Well, it, it's a real case. It's, it's one of the cases that I, I look at whenever I need a taste of, okay, this is how to format an, a true crime episode. There was a woman in, I believe, I don't, I don't remember which country she was from, but it wasn't the U.S., and she was a true crime fan, and she started, and she killed someone to see how it felt. Oh. Yeah. Don't do that if you're a fan of untrue crime. We don't want, we don't endorse murder in real life on this podcast. We do not. We don't endorse a lot of things on this podcast. Like kidnapping. And murder. And all the other bad, illegal things. Except for speeding. Both of us are speeders. Don't tell them that. I'm sorry. I've only had one speeding ticket. I've never gotten a speeding ticket. I got pulled over once while I was speeding, but then the officer let me go. Oh. I was going... 50... I think I was going... 50 over, and I got off with a level over. 50 over? Jesus, I was going like 15 over. I was going a 95 on a 50. And that's a true crime, everyone. Next submission. Was there nothing heard of them before they disappeared? Is there any extra information we can get on this? It feels like there's missing pieces of the story, and since you guys write it, dot dot dot, eyes looking over emoji. No, nothing was heard of them before they disappeared. They were just regular old... Regular gals, and then they just vanished. Extra information? I can provide you with extra information, but it's not particularly interesting. Let's see, they were all in the drama club together. The play that they all put on together was a really poor rendition of Hamlet done by middle schoolers. Like, like Ophelia! I have like Ophelia. Hamlet right next to me. Hamlet and it was dentist. It was not a good rendition of Hamlet. It was really... The crowd was upset. They didn't want to be there. If we were to guess what Ophelia von Rhein would give out of 10 for this rendition of Hamlet. Oh, wow. Wow. They did not remember all of their lines, and the set pieces were really, really unfortunate. Everybody had to bring in one item from home to make into a set piece as part of the assignment, and it was just... Yeah. Was it, like, required for a class or something? Or was this all... No, it was required for continued attendance in the club. Like, admission to the club. Ah. And Hamlet's hard to pull off. Yeah, it is. It's it's distinctly, like, an emotional, difficult story. Um, and these... This little drama club did not do it well. But that's okay. You know what? It's all a learning experience. So that is some extra information I can give you guys. Some more information. The friends that were in drama club together, 
They called themselves the triplets. They are not triplets, but they were, they were, you know, that was the name they came up with in middle school because they <laughs> thought it was cute. You want to hear a, a funny, funny little fact about me? Yes. When I was in middle school, I was an avid, avid Warrior Cats role player. And oh my god, I, I, I try to block this information about you out of my head, but it keeps uh-uh. coming me. No, 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 because I, I, I was avid, I was good at it, and but I, this was before I was good, good at it. it. <laughs> this was really far before I was good at it, and I was on a Minecraft Warrior Cats roleplay server. Oh my god. And one of my closest, closest friends at the time was on with me, and we decided to trick them into thinking that we were related and lived in the same household, that we were twins, and they believed it to the point where we had to coordinate our entrances so it looked like we were coming on together. We had to type to each other off screen so we could leave at the same time or be like, hey, our mom is calling, we have to run. If one of us came on without the other, everyone around us would question where the other twin was and we would have to come up with an excuse and then text the other one to tell her, hey, this was the excuse as to why you weren't there today. That is so elaborate and unnecessary. It was, it was. I also, I became a mod of that server. Everyone came became a mod at one time. It was like a 15-person server. But I got the owner's Skype, which was a really big deal back in the day. But I was not allowed to talk to strangers on the internet, and I got so scared that I think I blocked her. <laughs> you, the Skype. That is so early 2000s. Isn't it just? Okay, next submission. Not a question, but the mentions of cave spelunking in Whystone Cabin immediately make me think of histoplasmosis. 10 out of 10. One second, y'all. I'm going to Google. It looks like hysterectomy, but I don't remember what surgery that is. Hysterectomy is to remove your uterus, is it not? It is, but it appears... I want a hysterectomy. I feel like my life would be better if I did not have a uterus. It says that histoplasmosis is a lung infection caused by breathing in bacteria. Oh, epic. Not bacteria, fungus. What? That's my bad, everyone. <laughs> fungus. <laughs> breathing in fungus. Okay. I believe, I believe the implication is that this fungus lives in caves. This is not my niche. I'll say it. I know about Lily of the Valley enough Oh, 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 okay, okay, it it says, it says that the, the fungus is included in bat droppings, so it must be in, Uh here's a fun fact about bat droppings, bat droppings can be used to make gunpowder, and during the Civil War, there was a lot of argument over caves, because people would want control of caves, so that they could take the bat droppings and make gunpowder out of them, and that's a fact that I know, because as I mentioned, I have been to a lot of caves, thanks to my brother, and I swear they all mention it. Every single one of them. And they're like, during the Civil War, people really wanted the bat shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. That is a history fact, so I'm, I'm okay with lo- knowing that fact, you know. Speaking of guns, let's move on to the second episode, which is the worst transition I've made. Cheers. All right. 
Submission number one is why didn't the magic people fight the humans when they showed up in Zwan and Dom? I'd like to say they did. I want you to stand in front of a gun and then try to say abracadabra and see how fast you lose that fight. I have always felt in like worlds with magic where humans and like magic coexists. Like they're all like, well, why doesn't they, why don't they just like cast a little killing spell? And it's like, you have to like say a spell. Whereas with a gun, you just kind of like pull the trigger, you know? You didn't hear my pew pew, but I did, I did make a very accurate one. Pew pew pew. They most likely did. I don't know if I mentioned it. Not all of the humans made it out unscathed. But also, the killing spell in this universe is not super easy. And why would a random person know it? These were normal-ass people. They were just living their lives. To commit a murder. Yeah, I feel like if I was just a random-ass person in the Netherlands, I would not know the killing spell. But then again, I suppose that depends on how streamlined killing is, which I believe we're implying that it is not super popular in the magical community. No, they kind of stick together. Well, they don't. They don't. They're very, so they like their countries, and then outside of their countries, they're kind of aggressive. Because they all have different cultures that kind of clash, but they all learn the same spells, so they, they, they come together. Well, actually, most of them learn the same spells. There's multiple different types of magic and different spells and their origins of spells. It's very complex and it's not something we need to get into unless you send a question, comments, or suggestion to untruecrimethepodcast at gmail.com, all, all lowercase, lower for a chance to be featured in the end of season Q&A <laughs> of season two. Next submission. Hi, I first wanted to say that I loved this episode. Thank you. I, I didn't write it. You should say thank you. Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> I have a question about when Zwan and Marguerite left the town. After they entered Zwan and Dom, did they use one of the other exits to get to a train station? If so, was it a magic train station with other people like Zwan or a normal one? Thank you, and I can't wait to see more of this show. It's great so far. Thank you for the compliment on our, our podcast. We're very humble and the best podcast <laughs> out there, so please keep listening. No, it was not a magic train station. Marguerite would not know how to get to a magic train station. Marguerite went to a normal-ass train station. There is a part that was not included there. She had a crush on the one of the train boys. And train I, boys. It, was so not, it was not fleshed out enough for me to include it, but it... It's in my notes somewhere that Marguerite had a crush and a little thing going with the train boy, and the train boy helped her and Zvon get on a train. So there was a little bit more manipulation there. She didn't just run away, but she did, where they stayed in the little town, they stayed in their bubble, and they got out of their bubble, went to a normal ash train, and then happened to end up near a magical city. I want to know if Marguerite and train boy got together. I never decided, actually, because Marguerite decide now. decide now. So here's here's the here's the biggest conundrum is that if Marguerite lived with Trainboy, she would not have stayed in the magical town. She because he is he's why can't Train come with? Because she was the only exception, and Trainboy uh -huh. is a normal person. 
<sighs> Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, very much so. So we don't we lovers. don't know. And you know what? Things could have changed because they're currently in World War II. Shit happens in World War II. I'm sure some of these magic cities have opened their gates just a little bit. Just a tad. Maybe Marguerite and Trainboy are living happily under the threat of being constantly bombed. That's what I believe. I believe that Marguerite and Trainboy are together. Okay, excellent. We, We will not know until the end of a different story. Alright, the next question. Did the Dutch government not know what happened to Zwanendam before Marguerite told them? How did no one notice it was gone? So, <laughs> Zwanendam had a weird mayor. And this is a weird canon fact. They kind of held their documents to themselves. They didn't want to really be... They wanted to be involved, but they, they were very solitary. The Dutch government knew that something was up. However... Again, I'd like to insist, if you are a race of magic people that have been underground for centuries, centuries, because these random people just started killing you one day, and one of your towns goes dead silent, would you want to send people into the town that went dead silent? Yes, absolutely. I'd be so curious. I would send some some people. Yeah, I wouldn't go, but I would send other people to do my bidding for me if I was in charge. <laughs> Zwanendam is implied to not have a... It has some magical entrances, but most of them lead to the town that it is bordering. It is the magic town is within the actual town. And you have to go from the train to the doorstep. I don't remember what her name was, but... What was it? It was Hendrika? Yeah, it was Hendrika. You, you had to go to Hendrika's doorstep. That's why she was so important, is that she was letting people in. Right, okay. There, it's a really high-risk operation if, this, if they really did fall off the map. But I don't know a lot about the government, so let's, let's all be quiet and say Bell does not have to write about the Dutch government <laughs> in 1927. <laughs> I, I don't know enough about the Dutch government to write about it in 1927. All right, we will we'll move on to save you from further questions about the government. Thank you. Um, next up is Slaughter of the Sloras. First question is, what happened to Lachlan after she was rescued? Did she stay with Dane? Yes! I could talk all about this. So her parents were dead. I could talk all about this. I could. Dane w- took her in and raised her, and they're basically like father-daughter- in the present of the timeline, they have a bit of a strained relationship because he didn't want her to become a knight because he felt like it was unsafe and it was, like, her dream to do it. And she likes to be, like, she's a teenager and she likes to be, like, I don't need my dad. It's fine. I have got all of this. I need no one except my bestie, Anayu, who we'll talk about (laughs) more later. So... She's kind of, like, pulling back from Dane emotionally in the present, but they, they did indeed stay together, and they, they are family. Her best friend is such a family person as well. And that's also just not going to be mentioned, is that Anayu is a severe family person, and that is the one, one disconnect that they have, is that Anayu is like, what the fuck are you doing? And Lachlan's like, he doesn't get me. You don't get it, Dad. It's not a phase. 
<laughs> okay, next question. How did Lachlan end up as a knight if she wasn't a citizen of Casimir? Is she an honorary knight? So she was adopted by Dane after her parents we are, were killed. And that made her a citizen of Casimir because Dane is a citizen of Casimir. And she was a child who was adopted by him. So she is not an honorary knight. She is an official knight. And she is an official citizen of Casimir. Good for her. Joining, joining the Casimirans. Casimir! We gotta get them a, uh, a national anthem. Next up, it says, Okay, in the last episode, it was said that Casimir was about helping people. Why did they not, why did they not help Lachlan more? Because she was poor, and they do a lot of classism there. And, in fact, it's a rampant issue. And she was not important until she became important. So they weren't gonna help her. The episode that's it's referencing is further in the past. I know that it doesn't seem that way, but Agrestals live for a weird amount of time. Araminta lived for like 140 years or something. She was insane. She had her kids at like in her 80s. It was wild. She was insane. Excellent, but insane. Classism grew more after Lesbit. It became much more of an issue after Lesbit came into power. Shout out to Lesbit. Shout out to Lesbit, riddled by grief, making it everyone else's problem. Okay, this one's a little bit of a long one. I do not remember reading this one at all. There was a mention of a testimony, but I'm confused on where or how this was held. Do they have any sort of DNA testing in this universe? How thorough was it? It feels like it wasn't thorough enough for a kid that ended up at the capital of another country. I think that if it wasn't thorough, the government covered it up. You guys made a point to mention classism, so maybe it was a form of that. So, we'll start We'll start with the DNA testing. There is not DNA testing in this universe, I don't believe. Belle, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't have any clue. If if there is, it is recent technology. Yeah, um I don't believe that they, they have this have they have this DNA really testing. unique thing called the bowl of truth and they have eight of them in the world and you dunk someone's head in there and pull it out it is it is kind of hazing-esque it's kind of like when you dunk a baby into the uh to be baptized but you do that with someone's head i don't think baptizing is quite hazing but yes (laughs) it's a form of hazing i guess you're being hazed into the church question mark yeah It's like your final ritual. Do a backflip, you know? But they dunk their heads in there, they yank them out, and you are magically bound until your face goes dry to tell the truth. That's kind of their DNA testing. Why would you need DNA testing when you have this bowl that makes people tell you what happened? There are reasons where it would have been nice to have DNA testing, but we will get to those in the future. It is, it's also really inconvenient because there's only eight, and Casimir has one. That's cool. Casimir, of course, has one because they're kind of a central hub. They've got a really big international legal system. But for this country, they do not have a bowl, which means that their trials do not get the bowl of truth. Right, so Casimir didn't do any kind of investigation into the murders, and there was, there was not a huge investigation into the 
murder of like a couple random ass fur traders in another country that doesn't have DNA testing or a bowl of truth. So it wasn't like, I don't believe it was a cover up. It was just a really unfortunate circumstance. All right. Six suffocations. The worst thing I've ever written. It is so con- not like the worst thing as in content wise. It was just so complicated for me to keep it's so up confusing. With. I know <laughs> it was a lot, but I really wanted it to be complex and fast moving. So it did its goal. Y'all writing that was a pain. I forgot who people were all the time. I also forgot who people were. Number one, I thought it was an act of God. Good theory. Number two, do you think Olivia and Ivory were killed because of some hate crime reason? The gunshots fired could have been a targeted attack, but they just happened to end up dying another way. No. I don't think so. I think that maybe Ivory- both of them easily could have been killed. It's so unclear if they were killed or if they had died on accident. But- Someone could, like, logically, you want to go the hate crime route, totally valid, totally valid theory there. Someone could have found Ivory in the bathtub and flipped her over and went, ha ha ha. And Olivia could have been pushed to the ground and then someone, like, stepped on her shoulder to make it harder to get up. And then she was trampled that way. So there, there could have been malicious intent there, but I think it's too unclear to say. The next theory says, it has to be some kind of stalking situation. Someone had to have been keeping an eye on all of these people and specifically deciding which ones to attack in their circle. Why could be a little less clear, but maybe some kind of personal vendetta or code? I mean, I guess so. Honestly, I think any any theories towards this are valid ones because it's still being investigated, but we will most likely never get an answer because I wrote it, which means... Y'all can't look up updates. Next up is microchip murders, and we have a lot of submissions for this one. So it's going to take a minute. Let's start. How was association with the organization enough to send someone to jail? Were they making threats to the government too? It seems like a really big jump for the government to ban an ideology. See, it would be a big jump if they lived in a fair society. They do not live in a fair society, and it is it is perfectly logical to me that association with the organization sends you to jail. Like, imagine Red Scare kind of bullshit. That's what this is. It is, it's not super mentioned, but Disco also has many governmental puppets. He does. Most of the government is just working for him. Disco has a bit of a hand in anything that has power, and he has a lot of hand in the government. So he would easily be able to be like, hey, you are going to send these people to jail. And they would be like, okay, whatever you say, Daddy Disco. There's nothing that he doesn't touch in this universe. He Poverty. is kind of... No, he... Remember, he made that. Oh, that's right. He created... He sells that for four ninety nine. incredible forms of <laughs> capitalism and classism that, in fact, he did practically create poverty he created an extremer version of poverty poverty existed before him but then as soon he has this crazy story that we it's not a crime so we we can't cover it 
But he has this crazy interesting story about his rise to power and how fast he took it. He kind of took the world by storm and then changed it all and then is now sitting pretty on his little world throne. Pretty much, yeah. And he started making, he's a genius, so he started making microchips when he was very young and he became powerful very young and he is still in power and he will be for a long time. Let's add a little bit more lore to Disco then here. Disco is reinforced by titanium. This is true. He is borderline unkillable. He has this lacing made of like titan- really thin titanium like strips and cables under his skin because that's the kind of futuristic tech they can do. So if you stab him, nothing's going to happen. If you shoot him, he might get a dent, but like he he is he has been reinforced so that he's difficult to kill as well. It would be very hard to kill Disco Skathen, especially because he has so much security surrounding him as well. And here's a little lore tidbit. He did that after he was attacked. He got his titanium uh, implanted after he was attacked. And his, his parents were like, okay, you need this now. So now that we've talked a little bit more about how this could potentially affect, potentially affect, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make fun of this person. I I understand that they don't know as much about this universe as we do. Disco runs it, essentially. That's all you really need to know is that the government and Disco are one in the same. This world is Of course this would be damned. It is. It is. (laughs) Disco's girlfriend in canon caused i think an economic collapse at one point yep all right entry number two did they really destroy the microchips why it's so unnecessarily wasteful it feels like someone's stealing credit cards and then burning them that's really bad for the environment chips like uh, chips Plastic. like that can be burning it's so bad chips like that can be repurposed right they could have made them into sd cards or something why did they destroy them I'm not sure if this is referring to the people that have their microchips destroyed when they pass away, or if we're talking about the organization that was intending to destroy all the microchips. So people, when they destroy their microchips, when they die, it is kind of wasteful, but they don't really care. So it's a lot of stuff. Some of them do donate their microchips to be repurposed, but a lot of people, it's like a personal thing. It's kind of like organ donation, where if they don't want their organs given to other people they don't have to give their organs to other people let me let me approach this from a little bit different of a perspective you have been an amputee all your life you had your leg amputated as soon as you were out of the womb and you have had you have had this leg for all of your life you've walked on this leg you've lived on this leg why would you want to give that leg to someone else after you die that is your leg my leg it is mine i think that this is like yes it would probably be less wasteful and better for society as a whole not to destroy microchips but they're doing it anyway because this is not a moral society if there's one thing you guys should know it is that if there's an immoral option to something this universe usually takes yep What are some of the alien species of Arachna like? Good question. There's pretty much anything your mind can put together. There are planets 
all over and different species have come to Aragna and populated and stuff. The most common species, though, are in fact humans. Sometimes these humans like Disco Skaven, except for Disco Skaven is not even an extreme version. The titanium is not super notice. It's not noticeable at all, if I remember correctly. Is it? Is it? Not no. Like- if you get really close to his skin, you can kind of see that there's something under there, but it's not noticeable. Yeah. So modifications in this universe are insane. People love their modifications. They see it as a form of art. They see it as a form of changing themselves. It's it's like body mods in real life. It is it is just a extension of you, but these people take it to the extreme. They'll change their colors, like whole skin color to orange some days. And be like yeah. just cuz they can. Yeah, just cuz they can. Some of them will change the size like how tall they are. Some of them will and it fluctuates. There's so much tech in this world that we it's just not plausible to us that it's hard sometimes to distinguish alien quote unquote species from the humans. Which is how they like because it. Because there's so many modifications. Yeah. yeah. The next question is kind of related. It says, are the aliens actually from other planets or just non-human species? There are a quote unquote aliens who are just non-human species and there are quote unquote aliens from other planets. But this isn't like a huge kind of like galaxy set of planets. There's only a couple planets that interact with each other in this universe. Imagine that there's many more, but again, classism is rampant on this planet. They're kind of killing their planet. Why would you want to associate with them? Yeah, they kind of keep relations within the solar system. They find that the best option. Are there notable android-slash-ACs that are in positions of power or who hold celebrity status? No. No, there's too much discrimination for that. I will say that there's plenty, and I know that this is going to be disappointing to everyone. There are plenty of tech-made porn stars. Yep. It's not uncommon. They are generally regarded as second-class citizens, and thus they cannot achieve most positions of power. Whatever power they have, they have to make for themselves within their own positions. What sort of jobs are regulated to second-class citizens completely made of tech? I'm so glad you asked. Basically, all of the kind of things that people look down on, even though it's not valid to look down on them. Sanitation jobs, um, sex work, things like that. Those are things that are handed out to these quote-unquote second-class citizens. Yeah, they also, they're also used as almost meat shields in war. Yep. They are very frequently sent to war. The age of war is significantly less for them, if I remember correctly. If you are made of, I think, 40% tech or more, you can be sent to war at the age of, I think, 14. And your parents will receive money for that. That is something that they, they get your paycheck because you don't deserve your paycheck. And then they wipe they wipe the memory after you've been a meat shield and they, if they decide to send you home. And it should be noted that if you are predominantly tech, it's possible that you don't even have ownership over yourself and a, a biological being has ownership of you. In which case, you don't get a damn say in anything. Sometimes, even if you are 
conscious. Not because these beings are they're all of them are conscious. Some of them that are partially human are controlled by bigger organic species because they just think that they're better than them. Yeah. So generally hard labor and jobs that the organic species don't want to do, that's what the tech made people do. On that depressing note, why are more men than women chipped? Is it just sexism? Yes. So glad you asked. It totally It is. totally is complete sexism. <laughs> there is, their world is patriarchal, and if you are a man, you are more likely to have a chip if you're in a uh, second world country or third world country than you are uh, if you are a woman. If you're in a, a, a first world country, it's pretty much equal, but... In general, men are regarded as better than women, and thus, men deserve the chips more. I would not put it past them to give wives chips that are controlled by the husbands. Yep. That are regulated by the husbands in other countries. Depending on the culture and the species, and especially how much tech you're made of. You know what? I wouldn't pa put it past the, the city that we're currently in. If I'm perfectly no, honest, I, th I don't I think th this is a I know the targeted issue. I know the Crosswire does not sell those kinds of chips in Aragna uh, just for the heck of it. And they are the predominant chippers. But if you wanted a chip that could exert control over the other person, you could totally get that on the black market. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Anyway? Are there any corporations in particular that have held out the longest against Crosswire? Silly. That's silly so you. funny. No. <laughs> uh, Crosswire is a complete monopoly. Any corporations that have cropped up that challenge their grip on the microchip market have been either stamped out or they have been purchased and incorporated into Crosswire. So there is not much that can stand against Crosswire. There are technically a couple other microchip companies, but no one really buys from them. She said she said it perfectly. I would laugh. I did laugh. Ha <laughs> Are there instances of cyborgs who, for the sake of affordability, use parts from multiple manufacturers? Like they might have gotten their chip from Crosswire, but they got arms and legs from other companies. Would those different parts even be compatible? Yeah, you could sit, probably save some costs by doing that, but that immediately makes your cyborg of less sale value. So you can put together a cyborg from pieces from other companies, um, but they won't be as valuable in society. And you can get parts that are compatible if you specifically purchase parts that are compatible with each other, just kind of like if you go and purchase parts from any store here in our world. It does make it more difficult to fix the cyborg as well, and generally makes, again, sale value goes up, disposability goes up, because... Sale value goes you down. You know, sale value, sorry, sale value goes down, disposability goes up, because, you know... You lose the, you know, your arm starts malfunctioning, and you've got a crosswire chip, you've got this other random-ass company's arm, and you can't buy a full arm, just so you all are aware. You gotta get, you gotta get each feature of your arm. So, <laughs> calm down. You gotta decide what, what color your bicep's gonna be. 
but then it's it's a lot of different tech working together where it's like, oh, but Crosswire does this and I don't want to have to operate on something that has a Crosswire chip and something else in her arm and something else in the leg. That's too much crossing over. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to refuse service. Yep. Again, second class citizens. It is in their best interest to continue with Crosswire and maintain the monopoly so they are not denied help. Next question. Is there any chance of the Lorian party become a significant threat again, or are they basically inept at this point? Well, if you are in the Lorian party and everyone finds out, you're going to go to jail. So if they, they do still exist, but it's very underground. It's very small compared to what it used to be because people are just getting thrown in jail and they're never seen again uh, if they are part of the Lorian party. So I spoke out, there is potential for them to be a threat again, but it would not be easy. I, I could not see it. Personally, I think that now that Disco knows that it's a threat and this city is well monitored, nothing really escapes the eye. There's so much tech and a lot of the processing systems are corrupt. So the chances of it rising back up from the depths and making a difference is slim to none in my opinion. Given the functionality slash benefits of them and high success rates for installation, would you get microchipped? If I was in that universe, yes, because everyone gets microchipped. But as somebody who is not in that universe, no. No, I don't want anything to do with Disco's little magic chip. I don't want that in me. I, I just know a little bit too much about the microchips to really support them, where it's yeah, they're cool. If I was in that universe, I'd totally have one. It would make my life so much easier. But if I were to have one in this world, it would be so obscure. Nothing would work right. It's, it's, it's an implausible, it's not an implausible question, but it's an impossible question. Where it's, if you want to put us in that universe, of course we would. We're two random ass people in a first world country. Yeah. Is there a safe way to remove the microchip if you change your mind about it? No. No, there is not. You get your microchip, and then you have your microchip. You can certainly try to take it out. You can go to the doctor. Most doctors don't do microchip removals, though, especially because your body continues to grow around it. Um, but, no, you once it's in there, the odds of you getting it out safely are slim to none. But then again, if you're in that world, you think microchips are the grandest thing, and so you don't really want it out. It does make your life a lot easier. It's like people that use an Apple Watch and a smart car and a computer and all of the things that sync up perfectly and tell you your calendar and remind you about your appointments and get you in contact with your daughter if, her, if she starts having an allergy attack. It is so useful. I know that you, you're hearing about microchips from a godly perspective of us who made the universe and made the characters and made this intricate story but for the people that actually would live there microchips are so rad why would you want to it's like not having a phone in our world everyone has a phone if you don't have a phone it's like why don't you have a phone you don't even have like a cheap phone yeah it's not like having a nokia it's having no phone no internet nothing and I don't mean in the Amish way. Like, you live in normal-ass society. You have no computer. You don't have- you have little electricity. You read the paper. 
What is the consensus on medical autonomy when it comes to microchipping a child? Is it seen as something for the best, like vaccines, or was it ever considered controversial? Are there anti-vax equivalents in regards to parents refusing to microchip their children? Okay, so first things first. Medical autonomy. Children don't really have medical autonomy when it comes to this. It's kind of like getting circumcised. Like, the parents just decide when you're born. And it happens or it doesn't. And most parents decide that it happens in this world. It is considered for the best. If your child does not have a microchip, then they normally get one when they're older. It's kind of like a rite of passage. Like, you're old enough to have a microchip now. But it's pretty much everybody gets a microchip. There are people out there who do not have microchips, either for financial reasons or just because they don't want them or don't want their children to have them. But it's incredibly rare. It's not like anti-vaxxes in our world where it's kind of becoming more and more common. It's becoming less and less common in their world. Yeah, again, so useful. You can tell if your kid's having an allergy attack, get their exact location, have 911 on the way to them already. It is, it is almost, it's just safer to have one, especially with how dangerous the world is. And speaking of controversial drugs, we're going to go to Treated with Torpin next. Theory number one. Bit out there, but could Torpin have been involved in Zwan and Dom? Like, in the water and it made people go crazy and kill the magic people? No. I mean, maybe. But Torpin is a really controlled substance. I don't know why any magic person would go, hee 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 hee, I'm going to go put it in their water and I'm going to make them all drink it. Sneak it in the water. There also would have been a noticeable personality difference throughout the town because, again, Torpin is really noticeable where you are fixated on a goal, you care about no one else. There would have been some random-ass stranger, like, like, Train Boy. Train Boy would have been like, why are they acting like that? Marguerite drinks the same water as them, and she did not try to go on a rampage and kill a bunch of people. And she was, she was emotional Cheers. the whole time. Is Torpin available in 2023? No. I believe, I believe... I have mentioned that Torpin was revisited in the 90s and redone with modern technologies and that it was created to be a magic antidepressant. However, I don't know if it worked. I don't know enough about it. I believe that Torpin did turn into an actual medicine, but I can't tell you which specific one. Torpin has SSRI vibes. I don't know what that means. Like antidepressant. Oh. Yeah, it does. That's kind of what it was made. It's meant to be an antipsychotic. But it didn't work. What kinds of effects do you think Torpin or Sentia would have on a non-magical person? The same exact effects that it would have on a magical person. I don't think that being magical or non-magical matters very much when it comes to potions. Like, if you shoot a spell at someone, you're it's still gonna kill them. It doesn't just kill wizards. It's gonna affect them the same way. Yeah, yeah. Next up, bodies in the bog. This might be a shot in the dark, but if organs are still intact after being in the bog, can they be used for transplants? Are they still viable? Obviously not because of their cleanliness, but other than that, no. No, 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 no. When I say they are intact, I mean that they are still, like, physically there. They, they haven't decomposed. 
You would not want an organ from a bog body anywhere near you. No. Are they filled no. with bog? I don't really know, uh, but I know that they're gross. I've seen pictures of them. You've- <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not- you don't- no. They are not- do not put- do not ever put a bog body organ inside yourself. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Someone else says, why did they separate them twice? Which is the question that I'm asking. The first time, okay, yeah, sure, for science. But put them back. This feels like such an extreme version of grave, rob- grave robbing. Hallelujah, amen, all the things. I, it's so sad that they took them away from each other. It's heartbreaking. I can't imagine going to a museum and seeing someone in, like, hug pose. With, without their, their hug, hug buddy. buddy. It, That's so sad. So if you sad. and I were in a bog and we were hugging... If I ever end up in a bog, I want you to strangle me before I drown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like in Bodies in the Bog. No, I want to die before I am in the bog. I do not want to be in the bog. I want everything to be ruined. I do not want to be a historical artifact. Okay, oh. I will keep that in mind. Thank you. Thank you. You know, last week in my therapy session, I told her that I don't want to be a tree when I die because I am afraid of being a ghost. And that... There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. I said it'd be fine being in a coral reef, but I don't want to be in a tree. Okay. Okay. Ademptive murder. I finally figured out how to say the pun. Uh, the first comment is that they like the pun. Thank you very much. I did not try very hard on it. I couldn't figure out a name for the episode. This was my funny, funny ha-ha to myself that happened to make it into the final edit. Because we couldn't figure something else out. The next one is a theory. It says, I have a theory that Leonard was having some kind of affair with Adam behind the girl's back, and that was why his hair was in the truck. So maybe it wasn't Adam that hit her with the truck at all, but Leonard who was trying to take out the competition. But the truck was functional and not given the wrong kind of gas, y'all. <laughs> That's true. That's true. How could how could we how could we make this theory a truth when the when the, the, the truck was functional? Right, it was driven, so <laughs> Next up, Aldersey Afton and the Axe. I had a question about Rochester in Aldersey Afton and the Axe. You mentioned that he took Aldersey's daughter out of the kingdom and it made her sick, but he didn't mean to because he didn't understand what it would do to her. Does he understand how dryads work? Did he know that chopping down Aldersey's tree would kill her? So, interestingly enough, in his testimony during his trial, he claimed that he didn't know it was going to kill her. He thought he was just mad at her. And he was like, oh, I'll get back at her. Now, whether or not that's true is quite debatable. Most people agree he knew exactly what he was doing. But then others are like, well, then why didn't he just hit her body with the axe? So, who knows? Why did Aldercracy not die upon leaving the kingdom if her child almost died? Was it because of the amulet? How does that actually work? Because it was described as being physically away from the tree beyond the border as the problem, so would her body not be required to be still in Falcha? So the borders are kind of like severing you from your tree if you're a dryad, and the longer you're severed from your tree, the worse it gets. Irina, Aldersea's daughter, did not get sick immediately upon leaving. She had a grand old time, and she 
went to the village and had fun at a festival and stuff, and then she started to get sick. So Aldersey didn't leave for very long. Is this universe in the same one as Swan and Dom and Saint Dyphmus? They seem to have a similar structure, being hidden from the world, a history of humans hating magic, and I feel like there's a link here. They are not in the same world. They are separate worlds, but that would be cool. Um, we it generally would not. write. <laughs> we generally it would, write. There's too much conflicting lore. That's true. We generally write about humans hating magic as references to like magic going, like extinct in a lot of like folklore and stuff and like witch trials and shit like that. But it's not. They're not. They're not in the same world. But that's why there's a link about that there. All right. Did Rochester ever really love her? I couldn't imagine killing my worst enemy. Are there any recordings of him being, like, weird? I don't know what you mean by weird, but personally, I believe he did not love her. I don't think you can just, like, kill someone because they won't marry you and be like, yeah, I love them. But as for being weird, well, he did keep pressuring her to marry him. That's weird. And he did low-key kidnap her daughter. And that's weird, too. Fair. Okay. Your turn. Okay, this question is, what is the death ritual for the Dryad Queen? In Vulture, when someone reaches the end of their life, they are given every possible care they could need. After they have passed, it's usually assumed or at least hoped that they are in Kevana, which is like their form of heaven. Priests and priestesses handle the services. Bodies are wrapped in cloth initially, and services usually occur within a day. The most common form of service is burial, where a body is placed like directly into the earth and recovered, not like with a coffin or anything. And then the ground will absorb the body, leaving a graveweed flower behind, which is a magical flower in their world that grows over graves. However, cremation is also an option. Magical cremation is most common, resulting in the body being like fully turned to ash, and then that is scattered in the ash fields of the graveyard, where it will sink magically into the earth, and then there's also graveweed from that. In Fulcha, all deaths are marked on stones in the graveyard with names and dates so that people can go and see the stones. These stones are really small. They're not like gravestones. They can fit in like the palm of a human hand and are kind of like scattered about. Cool. I know that some of their races die like within 20 years. Are they also commemorated? Yes. Everybody has the same general death ritual. It's just like, do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? Okay. Well, another journey to death. Let's talk about one jinxed journey. Why is Philomena queen in Slaughter of the Slores if she was the firstborn and thus not the heir? Continuity error? No. Something happened to her sibling and it was... Rip. Well, now you've spoiled it for I'm him. I'm sorry. I w- I'll take it back. What if, what, if, what if they had been, uh, what if they had been... They could have renounced the throne. Yeah, that, that could have been what happened. They could have renounced their throne, or they... Uh, in Casimir, it is a viable, queenly thing to do, to go, you are not, you are not to be the, the crown heir, and we're gonna move you, move it, move it down. We treat you as though you, you are mentally incapable of this. So, no, no, there is a story there, but it is a story that we're going to cover, so look forward to that. The Rise of Philomena. Does homophobia not exist in Casimir? No, and neither does sexism or racism. Racism. Most forms of bigotry do not exist in Casimir, but they've gotten classism. 
classism they've got that up the wazoo and all the other stuff that they're missing they make up for it with doing more classism because homophobia doesn't exist in casimir you know what also doesn't exist in casimir is sexualities they just never have to state their sexuality they just tell people what gender they are it's very open and accepting Are there any other notable pairings of Agrestals who are of the same element? If so, what was the element? I'm not telling you. It's Next. A secret for now. How often do the parents of partner Agrestals react negatively as Iridani's did? Not often. This was very unique. They did not know why this happened. Sometimes they, they can be held for ransom or... A deal can try to be made, but people are not usually crazy enough to kidnap and hold their own daughter for ransom. You would be shocked at the amount of crazy you have to be to do that. Alright, our last question in the episodes. We have other questions not to worry. How complex was the spell that killed Iridani? Could it be accomplished by a single caster, or would it have taken multiple? I cannot say with certainty that it was a spell. I can say that because it's, it's a portal. It's not something that's actively being held up by someone. That's kind of their form of technology, almost. Where they have things that are already twisted and turned, and they have knobs, and they adjust the magic from there. This was a hey, portal glitch. Yeah, it's probably likely a planned portal glitch. Someone adjusted the knob in the right way to be like on the six one glitch. So it probably took a like a technician or two, like some royal bitch ass, and we... was like, hee hee hee. Yeah, I I I am here to I am here to fuck up your portal. But we did say that the portal was cursed in our episode, though. But we meant that more in like a... It, it's, it's magic. At the end of the day, the portals are magic. But you also have magic technicians that... Implying that it's a spell makes it seem like someone has is standing near the entrance with wand being like, Haha, it's time to die! Which... It, it was a planned event. You can't really set up a spell, but a curse can be placed and held. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay, here are our other questions. First one, a question not related to the episodes, but if you were to be missing yourselves, where do you hope they'd find you, if at all? Well, I sure hope they find me safe and sound at home, taking a nap. I'd be in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah, okay. I can give you an exact city, but I won't. But I won't, because I believe in internet safety. They'd find me in Schiphol. <laughs> Who is Ophelia? You guys keep mentioning her. I'll let you take this one. I'm not going to answer that question as well as people would like me to because I plan to bring her up in a different episode and I'll give you I'll give you all a podcast-esque description of her. Ophelia von Rhein is in the universe of Zwan and Dom. She lives a long, long life with her close and personal friend, Maja Khadijo, in which we're frequently seen writing love-esque letters to each other. 
However, because Ophelia was such a fan of literature, these are often disregarded as practice for their future husbands, in which they never took on any man companion. They regularly rejected men, often, and they lived together with multiple animals. According to history, they were just friends. They were just, they were just friends. They were just very close friends. Ophelia is someone else's character that I really enjoy. That's all you need to know about her for right now. If you could be any radical race yourself, what would you personally want to be in which universe in which we've discussed would you want to live in? Can I guess what you're going to say? Yeah, go for it. I think you want to be a dragon. I do not. I don't want to live in Faltra. Dragons exist in our other universes. They do, but they're more pets. I would like to be, like, conscious and have a say in things, <laughs> if I'm totally honest. I, I would want to be a Poles. That makes sense. You would have to explain what that means, because we haven't mentioned the Poles before. So, Poles are a race that exist in Cassini, which is where Casimir is. They live in Arksink, which is blessed by an eternal blizzard, and they get around by figure skating. They are very tall. They are blue people with very expressive features. They have really long ears that twist. They're very neat. They have a very interesting culture, and they love each other so much. They have a culture of, I want to hug you always, and they touch each other a lot. They're very community-based. I would want to be a Poles in Arksink. I would not mind being a Poles either. I think I would fit in very well there. I think you would. I think that us being Poles would make a lot of sense. I wouldn't mind having the powers of an Agrestal because I think that's cool, but I wouldn't want to be an Agrestal, if that makes sense. I would not want to be an Agrestal. Their, their emotions are so reflective of their environment. Philomena makes the ground shake when she's angry. I'm too emotional to be an Agrestal. Yeah, same. Or it's, you, you really, you gotta have your heart on your sleeve, kind of, or you have to be real good at hiding it. Alright, and that concludes our Q&A end of the season special. Thank Everybody you cheap. for listening. We will see you guys again next season here on Untrue Crime. Bye! Just so you guys are aware, oh, not bye. that is not next week. That yeah. is the week after next week. We are taking a week break, and then we will be back. Okay, now bye. We will see you for season two, baby! Goodbye. Bye!